Um, today, we're actually going to be talking about, uh, we're wrapping up our series called The Church, and we're going to be talking about what it is to be priests in Christ, which is a fun um, image that we get in Scripture, and I have the joy of reading Scripture with us. So if you want to follow along or read with whatever you have brought, you're welcome to do that. I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 5. It'll be in verse 1 is where we're going to begin today. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he is also clothed with weakness. Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. No one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Also, says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life, He offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who would obey him, and he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And then if you want to turn with me, we're going to go to Revelation Chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 8. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I hope this series has been uh, an encouragement to you and a challenge to you. I hope that you have heard things and seen things that you will not soon forget, um, and that somehow, by the grace of God and in accordance with his plan and his purpose, um, you you know who you are. You, You know better who you are and how we all fit together for the glory of God. You hear us say this a lot here, for the glory of God, for the benefit of others, and for our joy. That really is, I believe, the way that God has ordained things, the way that God has designed things, ultimately for his glory. Also, for the benefit of all of his creation, those made in his image and those, by faith, remade in the image of Jesus Christ. But there should be a component as well. There should be our joy in that. And so, as we have spent a number of weeks talking about what it means to be the church, we've shared images and illustrations and ideas. 
we, we, we had an opportunity to see visually and to think about what it means to be the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. That's who, who we are if you're a believer in Jesus. Um, we, we, we saw and we heard what it was taught that, that we are also God's building, the place in which God dwells. We are God's building. We, I'll never forget the, the, the body. We are the body of Christ, and I'll forever remember um, the hand being removed and feeling like I was that hand, and how would I ever live without the rest of the body if I'm that hand, and, and, and what kind of body would the church be if I was the hand and I was gone? That was a really good visual image. And then someone, I don't know why, brought a sheep on the stage. And we had to deal with that. And I don't know about you, but um, it wasn't so much, in being a city kid, it wasn't so much that I was in shock and I just thought, oh yeah, this is what Christians are like. I just couldn't help but think, this is what I am like. This, this, this describes my stubbornness, um, my inability uh, to, to listen and to follow. And, and then we learned what it meant to be adopted. And, and we were challenged and encouraged by a very uh, powerful message that not only did we think about being adopted, but we were actually encouraged very strongly to invite others into the wonderful fellowship that you and I get to partake in. And then last week, we were reminded, and this really fits very closely with this one, that we are the temple, the place where God himself dwells. And that can be sobering. I mean, it's easier for me often to see myself as the sheep, or, or even as a bride, but as, as holy, as, as the temple of God, the place in which God himself, by his spirit, chooses to dwell. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's heavy. And, and I hope that each of these, you, you could just recognize that there was a, a sense in which there was an invitation to come in and to enjoy, and then also a challenge. I think both of them are necessary in order for us to grow in Christ. It is this invitation, come and see, and then this challenge, in light of what we have found, let us go out and be. And that's what we're trying to do, is, is just go back and forth. Today, what we are going to be ending with, this seven-part series, is that, that we are, well, not just that we are, it's actually this, that you need a priest, you actually have a priest, and again, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith in him, that's always been um, necessary for you to be any of these things that we've talked about, any of these metaphors, um, it, it is, they are caused by God's calling upon our lives, the gospel, which is the good news, which Jesus Christ did for us, that we receive by grace, through faith, trusting in him. And, and today, we get to think about what it means to be a priest. Now, let's be honest. Um, how many of you grew up where the one who usually stands up here looked something like this? How many of you grew up in that kind of a tradition? Okay, many of you did grow up in that tradition. I did not, actually. Um, the, the people that I watched uh, preaching and teaching and leading songs um, usually wore suits when I was a child, and, and things have definitely changed, but this was... Not, not just too formal, it, it just seemed rather strange. 
kind of like a a drawback to something that you would actually find in the Old Testament or in another part of the world. But I think it's good for us to realize that the idea of priests is not a man-made invention. It's not something that we decided to do, but it is actually something that God did. The idea that there are priests comes from God. It is his design, it is his plan, and it is his purpose. I think we need to at least see that and actually recognize that. We see in Genesis chapter 14, a priest who literally comes out of nowhere. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is called by God and has been given a promise. I'm going to do this amazing thing through you. And Abraham is going through his life, and Abraham stumbles across this gentleman, and we read, we, we, he was read to us in, from the book of Hebrews, his name is Melchizedek. He's not even Jewish. I mean, chances are he's older than Abraham, and Abraham runs into him, and it says that he was a priest from Salem, where we would get Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He was the priest of Salem, which is just a word for peace. He was a priest of the Most High God, and he stumbles into, or it was probably more of a God-ordained plan, uh, Abraham finds him, and, and they have this encounter, and Abraham actually tithes to him, blesses him. So it seems like God has plans and purposes that we don't invent, that we don't create, that we then fall in line with. And so when God makes for himself this nation, we actually see the Levites, which is a tribe within Israel, and these Israelites, these one group of them, these Levites, are made the priests for all of Israel. They are are called by God to be special, to be set apart, And, and their role, the role of the priest is, in fact, to maintain and to enforce, don't read too much strong language into that word, but to maintain and enforce The worship of Yahweh, that's his name, our God's name, of Yahweh as God. And they would do this around the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and then later on they would build a temple. And the priests were the ones that would maintain and enforce what worship looked like. If if anything, and you know this is true, when you're around a priest, it feels like, doesn't it? It feels like somehow you're in the presence of God. You, You watch what you say. It's always a little awkward, since I don't wear a collar or anything like this, that I'll be traveling somewhere, I'll I'll be on an airplane, and someone will sit down beside me, having no idea who I am. They literally think they're just with a regular guy. And then they start telling me about their life and about what they do, and, and, and when they're talking to a regular guy, they have no reservation, they just let it all go. Hey, what have you been, oh man, this last weekend was crazy. Let me tell you what me and my boys did. And they just start describing a weekend of debauchery. And I just sit there, huh, okay. And I'm just, this is now going to get fun. Because I know it's going to happen. I mean, they're going to tell me what they do for a living. And and then they're going to ask me, what? What do you do? In which case, sometimes I, I love to say, I'm a priest. I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, and then all of a sudden I get a couple of I'm sorry's and a couple of a let me explain, and, uh, and sometimes it, it literally is just like, oh, you know, <laughs> silence. Uh, stewardess, you, I don't want those drinks, thank you, yes. <laughs> Somehow the priest changes things. 
Um, sometimes you, you will say this to me. You'll say things like, oh, I better be careful how I talk, you know, you being a minister and all. Yeah, we get that. We, we, we feel that. But let's remember that since the priests were people that were called by God and designed by God, it's, a, it's an appointment. The, the text from Hebrews actually says this. Nobody sets themselves up as priest. No, God calls. God appoints. Even, even the Levites, it's not like of the 12 tribes. Okay, who wants to be priests? We really do. No, no, no. God selected. God said, and it was Moses' tribe, it was Aaron's tribe, God reached down and said, I'm picking, not you, I am selecting. And he was the one who selected the Levites. That's important because it's good to remember that in the Bible, even though God designed it, it wasn't, it wasn't like how they lived that caused God to select them. Think about how this then corresponds to everything else. It wasn't that they stood out. There was a moment in which they showed some zeal and God will reward them for that. But God picked them first. God chose them in their weakness, in their brokenness. God chose them. I think it's good to remember that priestly identity was not found in its function, meaning what they just did. They were just the ones that were better than everybody else. You know, they were the ones that just liked reading the Bible. Sometimes we think like that, you know. I'm really not called to ministry because, you know, Jim probably likes reading the Bible. And I don't like reading it as much as him. So he's going to do that for me, for us. We, we have these distinctions, but that's not a biblical distinction. It's not like the Levites were holy. And so God said, well, you know, since you're the holiest of all the tribes, I, I choose you. No, to be holy, Ryan talked about this last week, holy describes the difference of God, the distinction of God, the set-apartness of God. And so holiness as it comes to these priests is something that is given, not earned. Isn't that good to remember? Holiness is given, not earned. And, and what priests did was they represented God to the people, and they also represented the people to God. That's kind of this, this twofold thing. Number one, they, they, they represented God to the people. They were God's representatives. One scholar actually said that Aaron, who was the first high priest, served as like a, a mini tabernacle, just constantly reminding people of God's presence. He was the one that represented God to the people, but then also he took on this function after God had transformed him, and he took on this function, and then he also represented the people to God. He had an important role, an important responsibility. He was the one that, on behalf of the Kendrick family, would accept the gift, the sacrifice, and he would present it to God. I'll take this to him, Aaron would say. I'll take this to God. And when Aaron received the gift, it was like the hands of God came down and received the gift. Priests, by God's design and intention, were the ones who represented God to the people and the people back to God. The other thing that we have to note is since God is the one that designed them, God is the one that gets to explain like the description of them. And they're special. 
They're just very special. There is just something. I know what you're thinking. This is Ryan Vincent's plan to go full on, isn't it? Does this look strange? Feels strange. Feels really, really strange. <laughs> Priests are special by the, the, the things that they wear, by their function. Leviticus chapter 21, verse 6 actually says this that they are to be holy to their God and to not profane the name of their God, for they present the food offerings to the Lord, the food of their God, and they must be holy. Can you hear almost like this ringing voice? It just seems so strange. It just seems so odd. The chief characteristic of a priest in terms of even what they wore set them apart. Holiness was that chief distinguishing characteristic. Um, you, you don't need to turn there, but you need to write down at least Leviticus 21. Leviticus 21 gives a description of all of the expectations for a priest. And it just goes on. Aaron, this is what you need to, to know about it. Did you know that the priests could not defile themselves with a the dead body? Meaning they couldn't be around a dead body, you know? After all, you, you need to be different. You need to be distinguished. So if you were just a priest, what you could do was you could be around the dead body of a close family relative, around your father or your mother or your wife or your children or a brother or a sister. But other than that, you could never be around a dead body because that would then make someone who is holy unclean. Not sinful, unclean. And God is distinct, other, holy, and therefore those who dare to be holy, need to represent that holiness to the people and the people back to God. The high priest, Aaron, think about this. Aaron was never allowed, the high priest was never allowed to go near a dead body. Even his wife, even his father, even his mother. No, no, no. The garbs that he would wear and the function that he took on was so great, was so special, that even he could not, um, could not mourn for them like everybody else, could, could not um, be around those that he loved so dearly. I, I know when, when you read this distinction, it seems like small little things, like in verse 5, priests may not make a bald spot on their heads. Can you believe people would make bald spots on their heads? They can't shave the edges of their beards. They can't make gashes on their body. They are to be holy before their God. They are not to marry one divorced by her husband, for the priest is holy to God. They can't have any physical defilements. There is a whole list of things. They can't be blind. They can't be lame. They can't have any kind of blemish on their skin. No, they're holy. The demands of a priest especially of a high priest, there was just something that was just even needed to distinguish the priest from everybody else. After all, if the priest is going to reflect the presence and the working of God among his people, then you needed to know it. You needed to see it. You needed a visual representation of what was. But yet... 
when the priest received that offering, since it was signifying that since I take this, I take this on behalf of you, and now I'm going to enter into the presence of God, can you imagine the, the, the fear and the trepidation, even of those who knew how to wear the right things and knew how to say the right things and knew how to do the right things. They really know. I think they all knew that down underneath, they literally were just like everybody else. It's not a game. It's not, um, it's not, we're not playing a part. It's not Halloween I really have learned to appreciate kind of the the special and the unique and just the appropriate nature of God, the distinctiveness that is necessary. And yet, every priest was just like everybody else. And I, I find that this is one of the beautiful things about the scriptures that really teach me how much the Bible understands God and us because it speaks so perfectly of him and it speaks so truthfully of us. The Bible makes it very, very clear that as much as God had a high standard and very clear expectations, as much as we could dress them up for the part, every priest failed to meet God's standard, every one of them. The high priest, who would be the one who would offer the blood on the Ark of the Covenant on that Day of Atonement, that's read, you can read that in Leviticus chapter 16, he was the only one that was allowed to go into the most holy place, and he would be the one that would offer the blood on behalf of the people, but the Bible makes it very clear that before he ever did that, first his own sins needed to be atoned for. His own sins, Aaron's sins, needed to be atoned for. Aaron, I want you to realize you're just like everybody else. That Aaron, you're you're not by your own ability, by your own capacity, you're not by your own moral integrity able to just walk into my presence. This is a great, important biblical truth. There has been no one who has been able to stand in God's presence apart from God's grace. His kindness And so the priest had to offer first a sacrifice for himself. And not only that, even the holy place first needed to be sanctified. It needed to go through this ritual. This is a a place, and where could God dwell? And so the place actually needed to be sanctified first. This is a reminder that it has always been, always been about God's grace to us. He knows us and our weaknesses our brokenness, and our failures. And so even though priests are special, we we know that when they take that off, they're just like everybody else, and God knows they're just like everybody else, and if they're playing it right, they should know they're just like everybody else. And yet, it's good to remember that God had a very high standard for priests. Aaron's sons, he had four. The first two, Nadab and Abihu, decided that it really didn't matter what they did and it didn't matter how they did it. And and the Bible actually says in Numbers chapter three that Nadab and Abihu went in and it says they offered strange fire to the Lord and the Lord just consumed them with fire. Yeah, you, you don't mess around with God, especially if you 
or a priest. Hosea chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to this. This is a, a warning and a judgment that is listed. Hear this, priests. Also pay attention, house of Israel. Listen, royal house, for judgment applies to you. Because you have been a snare at Mizpah, that's one of the places in which Israel failed to act properly before God, and, and a net spread out on Tabor, it's a, it's, a, it's a mound, it's where Deborah and Barak defeated Sisera, both of these locations. And God says to the priests, don't think you can act any way that you want. Don't think I don't know what's going on underneath that robe. I want you to realize that what I have called you to be and who you now are is distinct and it is special, but you don't get a pass with me. You are still in need of my grace. You are still in need of my love and mercy. And so in that function, I want you to know, and, and I, I think it's good for us to hear, that it's probably one of the reasons why the Bible actually teaches that those who dare to draw close to God, draw really close to God, need to remember the holiness of God, the set-apartness of Him, and especially those who teach. So the reality is that every priest failed to meet God's standard, well, except one. Except one. There, there was actually a priest who did it and did it right and did it perfectly because not only do you need one to be your representative, the good news is you have one. Jesus is the perfect priest. He is the perfect priest. I, I don't know how much you, you just feel the need to have someone to go before you to God, but you do need one. Hebrews chapter 4 Verses 14 through 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold on to our confession, our confession that Jesus is our Savior, that Jesus is our Lord. We hold on to that knowing what Jesus Christ has already done for us. We hold on to our confession about who he is because he is the one who has made peace with God for us, our priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, in light of who Jesus is, and in light of what Jesus has accomplished, and in light of the confession that we now make, let us approach Think about that with all the temple imagery that you learned about last week and all the priestly imagery that we see this week. In light of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done, now let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. But doesn't God know the truth about me? But doesn't God know how I have failed him? Doesn't God know? Yes, he knows. Oh, so it's okay? Yes. And this is an important question. But how is it okay? And it is okay, not because one has gone before us. Mm -mm. One has gone before us. And he has made the way. 
And so the boldness comes not by anything that could just be an outside adornment, but something that was uh, intrinsic. God's the one who selects the priests, and God selected Jesus. And the priest needs to be perfect, and Jesus was without sin. And therefore, let us approach this throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. And that is the biblical call to us. That you think it might end there. And by the way, I'm going to say it again, that if you have not dealt with your sin, if you have not gone to this high priest, not this high priest, not this high priest, or priest, but that priest, Jesus, the great high priest, then that is what needs to happen. That is the only way where peace can be found by recognizing what Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ alone has done for you. It doesn't end there. What's interesting is, is that Israel, really the entire nation, was meant in a sense to be priests. You know, there would be a group of them, Levites, that were called special, and even with them that a house, Aaron's family, that were even more designed and intended. But really all of Israel was called to be priests to the nations. And they failed. And so after Jesus accomplished for all humanity... The, the, but the Bible actually picks up this imagery, and, and so here's where it gets a little bit interesting and maybe even mildly to moderately uh, to uncomfortable, is that now Jesus has called and empowered us, church, to be priests. Ian? Think about it. No, not me. Uh, I, I'm just a regular person. Sure, but by regular you don't mean like an unbeliever, right? Well, no, 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 I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, keep playing that out. Are you someone who has accepted who Jesus Christ is? Oh, yeah, 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 no, 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 I totally, totally, I'm, I'm good, I'm going to heaven. Okay, great, I, I, I like that. So has the goodness of Jesus, the perfection of Jesus been given to you? The righteousness of Jesus be given, been given to you? Well, yeah. Okay, so if the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ has been given to you, and righteousness is holiness, then you are what? Holy. I walk by the, the stool in that one hallway there, and there she sits every Sunday. Saint Genevieve. I refer to her as Saint Genevieve. And I can see you, you're nodding. Yeah, she sure is. Yeah, but you do know she is because of Jesus, not she is because of her. Now, are you ready for this? Are you okay being called a saint? Literally, the word just means holy one. I'm not asking you to wear the robe. I'm asking you to accept the grace of God. And then by his Holy Spirit that now dwells in you, that you live out your calling to be, are you ready for this? Priests. Think about, you know this. We are called to be God's representatives to the world as Christians, correct? That's what priests do. We are called to not just present God to the world, 
but literally present the world back to God. We are many tabernacles, many temples as the Holy Spirit lives in us, worshiping God. I love the idea of maintaining and enforcing, not by force, but maintaining and and demonstrating what it looks like to know God and to worship God and to love God. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. So before we even get to what Randy read, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, that's the church, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then what Randy read, you are worthy to take that scroll and to open its seals. This is talking about the Lamb, Jesus. Because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then what did Jesus do when he purchased them? You made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. You know, there is something very unique within, um, within our, our, uh, our, 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 our group of, of believers uh, as, 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 as Protestants, meaning not capital C, uh, capital R, capital C, Roman Catholic. Um, we, we believe in something known as the priesthood of all believers. Here's what that actually means. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers states that all believers in Christ share in his priestly status. And therefore, there is no special class of people who mediate the knowledge or the presence or the forgiveness of Christ to the rest of believers. All believers have the right and authority to read, interpret, and apply the Scripture's teachings. Now, he'll still call elders and he'll still appoint leaders, but in the end, because of what Christ has done, we all share in this. And by the way, Jesus didn't do that because he's woke and he just recognized that, yeah, all those distinctions were kind of bad and and really we're all the same. No, no, no. Jesus did that for his own namesake. Jesus did that for his own namesake. Which means that you and I now get to reflect on the fact that as the church, we get all the benefits of what it means to be a priest access to God, peace with God. And we get all the responsibilities representing God to the world. And I pray that as we think about all the different metaphors that we hold on to each and every one of them, I just think this one has a very unique and distinct and sometimes lacking view of us. Like we don't see ourselves this way. And I just want to say, I don't know if you see yourself this way as a priest, but God does. God sees you that way. And I think we we know that the world does look at us different, those who claim to know Christ. And so the good news is you, you get to be just a regular person. You don't have to wear this. But may they see Christ in us and through us. May we be accurate representatives of the love and the grace and also the righteousness and the holiness that we find in Jesus.
want us to spend a few moments as the band comes up reflecting on some thoughts. Two ideas for you, and the band will play for a few moments. Uh, The first one really is just describing um, this confidence that we need to have, and the second one will be more, it's more of an invitation, and the second one is going to be more of a challenge. And, And I pray that you take this time to go before God, asking, or first of all, just giving thanks to him, and then also asking for the strength, the encouragement to persevere.